Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the Wayfarer Podcast. I'm Tom Vanderbilt. Thanks so much for joining me again today on this chapter day journey. We're in Matthew 22, and it was verses 8 through 9 that resonated with me. It's uh, Jesus telling a parable, and in the parable, the king said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready. Those I invited didn't deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you can find. Today's podcast is entitled The Context. Along my spiritual journey, I've observed, you know, it's, it's easy to read the great story with a mental microscope or a magnifying glass to inspect every word, every verse, or every parable as if they exist as individual and or exclusive works of divine wisdom. And I've come to understand that there's more to be gained by launching my mental drone to rise above the text and to see the word, to see the verse, to see the parable within the larger tapestry of the book or the entirety of the great story. And today's chapter is a great example of this. Now, there's a handful of episodes we read in today's chapter, but it takes place at a very specific time and place. It's the last week of Jesus' earthly life. He's in Jerusalem spending his day at Herod's temple, which was the seat and center of Hebrew religious power and worship. And there's this escalating conflict emerging between Jesus and the religious leaders of his day. Now, public opinion is on Jesus' side for the moment, and the religious leaders are working their fundamentalist political playbook. So they keep sending different individuals and different groups with questions in hope that Jesus will make a gaffe, that he'll say something stupid on the hot mic or make a partisan comment which will offend a bunch of people and give them the political ammunition to publicly discredit him. And guess what? This is the same kind of political theater that plays out in the press conferences, in the media, every day, yet today. So they asked Jesus about paying taxes to Rome because that's a hot button issue. Most of Jesus' audience hated the Romans and they hated paying taxes. The religious leaders even make sure that Rome's local political puppets, the Herodians, are there to witness the answer. Why? Well, they hoped that Jesus would answer in a way that would be so treasonous to Rome that the Herodians would arrest him. A religious faction, the Sadducees, they try a trick question on Jesus that was rooted in a hot-button theological debate about whether there was a resurrection or not. The motive was to trip Jesus up and to make him look like a fool. But Jesus nails the answer and discredits the questioners at the same time. They tried another theological question. Jesus nailed that one too. Then Jesus decided it was time for him to ask the question. He asked about the popular term that these religious leaders used for the coming Messiah, the same one that they were indignant about, children shouting at Jesus in yesterday's chapter, the moniker Son of David. Jesus actually discredits the term based on King David's own lyrics. And perhaps he does this in response to their indignation from the previous day. See, this is a political tennis match between these groups, with Jesus volleying back and forth with the religious leaders. And it's in the context of this rising conflict 
that I have to see and understand Jesus' parable of the wedding banquet. The guests in the parable, the ones that are invited to the feast but who ignore the invitation, are Jesus' religious enemies, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. They have ignored the heart of God's commandments in order to cling to their power and their greed and their fundamentalism. The servants who get beat up and killed are the prophets. King sending his army to destroy the murderers and raise the city. Well, that's a prophecy. And it's exactly what is going to happen in AD 70 when the Romans raised Jerusalem and the temple. And the king's decision to tell his servants, go out to every corner and invite anyone you can find to the banquet. Well, that's equally prophetic. It's exactly what happens in the book of Acts when the Jesus movement breaks out of the shackles of its Hebrew roots and fundamentalism and begins to embrace anyone, everyone, Jewish or not, male, female, rich, poor, whoever chooses to repent and believe and follow Jesus. Now, in the quiet this morning, I find myself asking, well, what does this mean for me today? Now, my heart's desire is always to follow Jesus. But I can look back on my journey and see ways in which I honestly have been more like the religious leaders. I mean, I've been religious, but I confess that there's hard evidence that my religion has at times been more about being right, condemning others, holding appropriate political or doctrinal views, instead of being about love and grace and mercy. And see, that makes me more like Jesus' enemies. Mia culpa. Whenever personal faith intertwines with human institutions and systems, it's hard for it not to get sucked into that same trap that the Hebrews fell into. And it's as true for me as it is for anybody else. So for me, the takeaway today is this. I want to be diligent in living out my religion today in Jesus' terms. I couldn't help but thinking about James 1.27, where it says, quote, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows and the sick and the homeless and the outcast." in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So that's what I'm going to try and do. I hope you have a great day, my friend. We'll see you back here tomorrow.